This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Right now, though, let's talk a little federal politics, shall we? And yesterday, Elizabeth May announced that she is stepping down as leader of the Green Party of Canada. She has been in that job for 13 years. But she said she promised her daughter three years ago that the 2019 election would be her last as party leader. So right away, as she stepped down from those duties, they appointed Deputy Leader Joanne Roberts as her successor until the party holds a leadership convention, which would be coming up next October, so October of 2020. So we wanted to know, what does this mean now for the Green Party? Where does it head uh, in the future? Well, joining us now to talk more about that is Joanne Roberts, Interim Leader of the Green Party of Canada. And thank you very much for being here. It's great to be with you, Simi. Thanks for the call. Were you surprised to hear about Elizabeth May's decision? I wasn't surprised that she would step down. The timing caught me a little off guard um, because I thought it, that Elizabeth might wait a little longer. I knew that she did. She had promised Kate she was not going to take the party into another election. I knew she wanted to do this on her terms and uh, on sort of her timeline. But, you know, Elizabeth is so astute politically. I mean, she knows we're sitting in a minority parliament. She wants the party to have as much time as possible to seek a new leader, get a new leader in place before we go back to the polls. So I guess I'm not surprised. Uh, just from a personal point of view, I right. thought maybe I had a little more time to get ready for this. Right. So, yeah, given the timing of this uh, a leadership convention almost a year from now, is that too long given what's going on in, in politics? I don't think so. I think uh, parties have come to realize that leadership conventions do two things. Uh, They draw attention to the party. That's a good thing. They allow for ideas to be discussed internally and amongst members and new members. They attract new members. Um, And I think especially when a party like ours that has had such an amazing leader and had her for 13 years, there is a time for us to really have that discussion about what does the next phase look like. So you need some time to do that. I mean, just from a logistical point of view. So the uh, race will start in earnest probably early in the new year and we'll wrap up on October 4th. So really, when you look at it, it, it's not that long. I mean, you look south of the border. What are they taking? Two years to find a nomination, uh, a nominee for the Democratic Party. So I think we're doing okay. But when you look back then at this election campaign, and there were such high hopes heading into this that the Greens could have a, a very big and meaningful breakthrough. Is the party going through any kind of an examination of what worked and what didn't work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all parties would be crazy not to do that, right? To sit down and say, okay, what worked and what didn't work. I mean, the one thing, we just came out of our federal council meeting, and there was a lot of excitement that this was our most successful election ever. That may not have been the national narrative, but when you look at three MPs elected, um, the first ever Green MP outside BC, more than a million votes nationwide, 49 campaigns over 10%. For us, these are all firsts. These are all breakthroughs. Um, You know, I ran on the East Coast this time. Last election, I ran on the West Coast. And I think how you interpreted this campaign probably was seen differently depending on what coast you were on. What do you mean? Well, on the West Coast, I think high expectations, a couple of ridings we were pretty sure we were going to win and then lost by very close races. So there was disappointment there. On the East Coast, uh, 
there hadn't been that breakthrough success, and so everyone was pushing hard. And to get an MP on the East Coast, that was seen as a huge breakthrough. To have 20 out of 25 maritime ridings get over 10% first time ever. So on the East Coast, it was seen successfully. On the West Coast, disappointments. But when you put those two together, we were able to see it as a positive. Right. But when you talk about the overall number of votes, the Green Party still kind of stays in and around that between 5 and 10% for the last couple of elections. What do you think the party needs to do to, to gain more? Well, and I think that's the discussion we're going to have, right? Like, how do you break through that sort of 10% threshold, uh, which we looked like at the early part of this election campaign, we were over that. Um, So we would like to know how do we sustain that? I think that lasted till about two weeks before the end of the campaign. So what, what happened in those two weeks? What could we do differently? Those are all questions we're going to ask. Um, I think the other thing to keep in mind that under first past the post, we are the only Green Party in the world to reach this level of success under first past the post. So having said that, that means we have to work within this system right now unless we are facing electoral reform down the road. So, yeah, we will be looking at those things um, and maybe looking at where uh, provincial parties have succeeded. Um, but we are seeing a change. We, we are seeing traditional voting patterns starting to break down. Now, how quickly? That's a good question. Right. So what are the Green Party priorities then heading into this minority parliament? Well, you know, the good news for me and for the party is that Elizabeth will stay on as parliamentary leader. So she will continue to help both of our new MPs sort of uh, find their way, realize how you can make probably punch above your weight, if I can use that analogy. Mm -hmm. They will be looking to work with other parties. I mean, Elizabeth is quite concerned that Canada is going to go to the climate summit in Madrid now with the same targets we had at the last summit that we still haven't met. So she's going to be really working with the MPs to to push that hard. I mean, I heard in your news that you covered the uh, story from the 11,000 climate researchers. I mean, those things are starting to become everyday occurrences now, and, and Elizabeth is going to be pushing hard. But on a working together with the other parties. She's really hopeful that since uh, the NDP, the Liberals and the Greens were all pushing for pharmacare, that a national pharmacare program will be a top priority. Do you think as well, like when it comes to vetting candidates, will the Green Party be working on that? Because it seems like every election, there's always a problem with something that pops up. Right. And I mean, obviously, we had probably the same number as the Liberals that had to be pulled this year. And considering the size of their party and the depth of their ability, uh, I'm not going to sort of apologize for that. But yes, we are getting a lot more attention. And that means that the vetting has to go deeper and um, be, you know, a bit more stringent. I think that we're getting that. Um, The size of our party has has meant that we haven't had to always take it to that level. But, yes, that's been identified, and I think every party. I mean, the Democrats had to pull candidates, the Liberals had to pull candidates, the Conservatives had to pull candidates. So everybody is putting much more sort of attention and resources into that. All right. Well, Joanne, thank you very much for your time. It was great to talk to you. That is Joanne Roberts, interim leader of the Green Party of Canada, laying out what the party has to do over the next year before picking a new leader